scripture reading this morning, you might be surprised to learn, does not come from the Gospels. Uh, it comes from a guy named Paul in a letter to the, to the Corinthians, his very first letter to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 14, and it says this. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But, the grace, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. So this morning, I'm going to start... Uh, with a moment of honesty, a little bit of, uh, we'll call it self-awareness this morning. Uh, in case you don't know this, if you're, if you're new, whether you're in person or online with us this morning, I am uh, Pastor Chad. I'm the pastor here. And uh, I am not everyone's cup of tea. Did you guys know that? I think, I think this is why I resonate so well with Paul. Because Paul also knows that he is not everyone's cup of tea. Not everyone in Paul's world is thrilled that Paul is there. Paul, first of all, the Christians weren't thrilled that Paul was there, right? Because Paul, as he puts it here, persecuted the church of God. He spent his time trying to murder people who followed Jesus. So when Paul has this miraculous conversion on the road and Jesus literally appears to him in a vision, naturally the disciples are a little skeptical, and so Paul has this miraculous conversion experience. And, and so then all of a sudden the script is flipped. Instead of the disciples and the apostles, the church of God uh, not liking Paul, now all of a sudden he's on their team. So now all of a sudden it's the religious people who don't like Paul, the very people he was friends with before, right? Paul was not everybody's cup of tea. Now, Paul's other problem was he was a church planter. Paul loved Jesus so much. He believed that multiplying disciples was his job. Right? We talked about that last week, making disciples. But he believed it so wholeheartedly that he would go into cities and preach and teach, and he would, he would form a church, and he would then, later on, he'd have to write letters to them. And these were not like the nice letters that I used to write to my grandma when I was a kid. Right? Paul's writing letters to correct things that are going wrong in the church. And so, naturally, in 1 Corinthians, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and not everybody's going to be super thrilled. Because somewhere along the line, the people in Corinth have become convinced that the resurrection is baloney. 
People don't get resurrected from the dead. That doesn't happen. And so Paul is writing his letter in the way that he does. He's very direct, which I think is partly why he's not everybody's cup of tea. Paul does not uh, hold any punches. And so he starts off this passage in 1 Corinthians 15, and he says, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. He says, let me remind you of the basics. Because apparently, even though you have been disciples for some time, you have forgotten the basics. Let me remind you of the gospel that I preached to you. Which you received and in which you stand. He says the whole reason you exist is because of this gospel that I preached to you. And by which you are saved if you hold fast to the word I preached to you. He says, look, all this other stuff you believe, all this other stuff, it's great, but it's not the, the foundation. He says, if you're going to be saved, this is what you got to get. This is what you got to understand. And he says, I, I've delivered it to you as of first importance, he says. In other words, there's nothing else more important than what I'm about to tell you. Nothing else that I preach ever again will ever be as important as what I'm about to tell you. And he says this, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That's it, right? He makes it really simple. It's not a bunch of theology. It's not based on what you believe about angels or the end times. He says, all it is, it's very simple. Christ died. Christ was buried. Christ rose. That's it. That's the whole foundation. And yet, everything else, everything else is built on this. But what's interesting is he tells this story really in about six verses, and he only spends one and a half of them telling this whole story. A verse and a half is all it took Paul to preach the gospel. And then he spends the next four verses offering witnesses to the resurrection. Do you guys notice that? Right? He says, he says that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then to five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. Probably not. Though some have fallen asleep. At this point, let's just assume all of them have fallen asleep. All right. Then he appeared to James, then the apostles, and last of all, to him, to Paul. So I thought, as I read through this, I thought, okay, Paul's laying the foundation. He says, this is the basics you got to know. Right? He says, you got to know Jesus died for your sins and he was resurrected again. But why would he do that in one verse and then spend four verses offering up names of people who saw Jesus when he got resurrected? And I thought about this and I thought, man, that, I, was, I was really struggling with this. I'm like, why would he spend so much time? It does not, my faith does not depend on knowing that Cephas got to see Jesus. So why is that in there? Then it occurred to me, it wasn't just, it wasn't the whole story that was the, that was the, the foundation for Paul. It was the resurrection specifically, right? As much as he offers the whole story, Christ died for our sins, he was buried, but then he was raised. Paul spends his whole time, in fact, the whole rest of chapter 15, he spends proving that the resurrection is the most important thing you'll ever believe. And so, so what he does is he lays it out and then he says, okay, Jesus was resurrected and here is proof. You can go ask Cephas, you can go ask the apostles, you can go ask the 500 people who saw him. Right? He's making the point that our faith as a whole is based upon the resurrection. Now, I don't know if you're connecting the dots yet, but the problem for most of us 
is that our faith is not based on Sunday. Our faith is based on Friday. You see what I'm getting at? Our faith, for a lot of us, we've been told we pray the sinner's prayer. Jesus died for our sins. Right? That's the basis of it. And Paul's saying, look, that's the start of it. <laughs> that's the start of it. But Sunday, the resurrection, that's where it gets good. <laughs> That's, that's the basis for why, how we can live our lives right here and right now, right? It's the resurrection. And you think about it this way. You think about the difference between mercy and grace, because God offers us both, right? The mercy part was happening on Friday. On Friday, God had mercy upon us. He took away what we deserved. That's what happened on Friday, but the grace part, the part where the Bible talks about a lot, the grace part, grace means not only do we not get what we deserve, but we get a whole bunch of stuff that we don't deserve. <laughs> See, the, the forgiveness of sins was meant to be the start, right? It was the, it was the cleaning of the slate, right? You think of it as the, you know, the desk clearing moment. It was, okay, all this bad stuff, it's gone now. We got a clean slate. And the resurrection is where God goes, yeah, but let me give you this life and this life and this life. Let me offer you all this awesome stuff. <laughs> let me refill the desk with the good stuff. And so Paul says it's that refilling is what is the basis of everything we believe. Because it's not just that Jesus died for our sins. He rose so that we can have life today. <laughs> See, most of us, when we think of Jesus dying for our sins, we think of eternal life starting the moment we die. Eternal life starts the moment we commit our lives to Jesus. Jesus offers us life today, not just some, in some distant time in the, in the infinity. Right? He offers us life today. And so Paul says, he says, whether it's them or I, meaning the disciples, his, the apostles, the people he thinks should actually be listened to, whether it's them or I, this is what we preach and this is what we believe. So if Christ, he argues, remember because the Corinthians, they've decided resurrection doesn't matter. If Christ is, is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can you say there's no resurrection? Because if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and so is your faith. <laughs> look, he says, look, everything we do, right? Because when he talks about preaching, it's not just his words. He taught with his life. He taught by the way he, he said things and the way that he did things, the way he treated people, the places he went, the, the people he spent time with, just like Jesus. He was preaching not just with his words, but with his life. He says, all of that is for nothing. All of it is for nothing if the resurrection doesn't happen. It doesn't matter. Without the resurrection, none of it matters. And then he says, and even your faith, your faith in Jesus, it doesn't matter if he isn't resurrected. Because look, at the end of the day, Jesus can say and do whatever he wants. He goes to the cross and dies and doesn't come back. He's just another guy who died. You can't be the Messiah if death is more powerful than you are. You can't be God if death is more powerful than you. All of it, all of it is based upon the resurrection. The idea that God is more powerful than death. That Jesus would not just die for our sins, but that he would offer us new life by demonstrating what it looks like to be raised from the dead. And maybe this is where most of us get the disconnect, is because we don't realize that before Jesus, we were dead. 
We were dry bones in the desert, just like Ezekiel saw in our, in our song we sang this morning. We don't see ourselves as the dead. We don't see ourselves essentially as walking dead, as sinners. And yet he says, look, sin brings death. So it's not just that God in, has, has gone to the cross and relinquished us from the sin. You know, death was actually a punishment for sin. That's how it started. You guys know this? Are you aware? Anybody? Anybody aware? Some of you had shakes? Yeah. So, so God's initial intention when he, when he makes the garden, death is never mentioned. Death is only ever mentioned as a punishment for sin. And so, so in the resurrection, what happens is you have Jesus on Friday dying for the sins of mankind. So he, he's doing away with the power of sin forever. But then in resurrection, he's showing us that even the consequences of sin are defeated. He takes out the root and the consequences, both the root and the fruit. He takes them both out. And so it's this resurrection power that he says is what matters so much. It matters so much that Paul says he would give up anything to get it. He says this in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And here's, here's where it gets really good. You ready? I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection in participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul says, I will give up anything if I can just have the resurrection power of Jesus. If I can just experience what it feels like every day of my life to be resurrected. I'd give anything. And Paul does. If you know anything about Paul's life, Paul literally gives up everything. Even in, in, in his decision to follow Jesus, I mean, he had friends, he had power, he had money, he had status, and he gives all of it up. Why? Because the resurrection of Jesus. Because there is something greater than what Paul had, had, had gathered around him, right? All of that, he says, is garbage compared to the resurrection. And there's, there's a whole lot of us who have been living... We've been living our whole lives on Friday, right? We've never, we've never progressed our lives to Sunday. We've been living our whole lives thinking that God hates us and he's angry. Why would he ever want what's good for me, right? Yes, he died for my sins, but that's enough, right? That's what he did. That's cool and all. But what about my life right now, right? What about life right now? Friends, I'm here to tell you this morning that when Jesus says he comes to save he didn't say he only came to save your soul. Here's, here's how Paul words it in Romans chapter 8. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. See, he says, look, it's not just about your eternity. It's not just a, God doesn't only care about your soul. God cares about all of you, right? He says, he says the spirit of God is going to bring life to your mortal bodies. 
right? That tells me that's my body right now, right? This is my mortal body. And he's going to bring life to this body, not just my eternal body that I hope looks way better in eternity. Let's be honest, right? Not just to that body. He's going to bring life to this body right now. The resurrection is the basis for all of the life-giving ministry the church ever does. Because it's not just that God has forgiven people's sins. It means God is handling and taking care of the results of sin. We already talked about death comes from sin, right? Sickness comes from sin. It's why we even pray for people in the first place, right? We pray for people because we believe God can do something about it. Why do we believe that? Because he beat death, (laughs) right? It's all based in the resurrection, right? The resurrection is the very reason we pray for people. It's the very reason that that we show up for church on Sunday, Instead of on Saturday, we come on Sunday. Why? Because Jesus rose today, (laughs) right? Think about this. Everything we do is based upon the resurrection and that same resurrection power. Paul says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And so this morning, I'm telling you, Jesus saves, right? Jesus saves. It's Easter. That's our message, right? Jesus saves. But here's what I'm telling you this morning. Jesus saves you from a whole lot more than your sins, my friends. There's so much more to the gospel than just Friday. I want you this morning to take your faith into Sunday, where life is, is given, life is, is resurrected, where there's something more, not for later, but for right now. Because this, this is the gospel that I, that I believe. This is the, the Jesus that I've come to fall in love with. This is the Jesus that, that I've seen do amazing things almost every day of my life. And to, to, to borrow a line from our song this morning, Randy, I believe there's more miracles in here. Why? Because of the resurrection. Because if Jesus can beat death, what the heck does cancer have on anybody? Right? If Jesus can beat death, what's it got on our earache, Ann? <laughs> if Jesus can beat death, it got nothing. We got nothing. <laughs> and so I just, I want to extend an invite this morning. I want to extend an invite. Because I'm going I'm to pray over us and, and, and wrap, up, wrap up my message here on resurrection. But here's what I want to do. I want to just extend a simple invite. If you got something, whatever it is, right? Whether it's, whether it's a physical ailment, whether you're struggling with mental health stuff, if you've got family issues, you got, you got marriage stuff, you got whatever it is, right? This morning, we're celebrating that God can handle it. And so we would be remiss if we did not give God a chance to handle it this morning. Why would we let you leave this place without asking God to handle it? <laughs> so I'm going to pray, and then I'm just going to invite our, our prayer team to come up, whoever wants to come pray, and we're just going to invite you in this next song to come and pray. You got anything at all? You got a need? We want to lay hands on you and pray with you this morning because I believe in the resurrection power of Jesus. I believe that it's active right here, right now in this space to make a difference in our lives. Let's pray.
Lord, we know that your spirit is within us this morning because you offer it to all who believe. And so we come, first of all, God, and we admit that that we haven't believed in the resurrection nearly as firmly or as daily as Paul would have us do. It's been there in the back of our minds, and we know that it's it's somewhere out there, God, but, but to live daily in your resurrection power, wow, how cool that'd be. And so, Lord, we ask that in these moments, your resurrection power would be present and active and working. We want to experience just how good you are this morning, God, as we offer up ourselves in our troubles and our traumas and all the things that weigh on us, God. We want to offer them to you because we believe in your resurrection power. We believe that no matter how dry our bones may feel, no matter how dry our faith has been for for some time, no matter how much struggle we have had in certain situations, God, we know that you are greater and you can handle it. So, Lord, I pray for those in the sound of my voice this morning who have got some struggles that need to be handled. I ask, Lord, that that you would begin working even now within them. That your spirit that raised Jesus from the dead would do a raising work in us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.